0: Welcome to the Story Discovery Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jim McAteer. Coming up, you'll hear a new story from our free online publication, Etched Onyx. Please join me and co-host Kevin McMahon after the reading when we talk with the author about their work and all things writing and otherwise. This podcast and all related materials are production of Onyx Publications. All stories are copyright 2021. All rights reserved. Hey, podcast listeners. Before we begin, we're excited to let you know that Onyx Publications and the Story Discovery Podcast has been featured in the LiveWriters.com newsletter. LiveWriters is the hub for finding podcasts about books, about writing, and about publishing. Check out our interview, and while you're there, don't forget to sign up. Now... On to the story. Today's story is Sense of Taste, written by April Bailey and narrated by Melissa Collings. Settle in and enjoy.
1: Sense of Taste by April Bailey Lauren quickly reverted, pressing her back against the end cap of Ritz crackers and buy one get one cans of soup. It had been two years since she'd seen him. Yet here he was, in her grocery store, blocking her path to her favorite potato chips, Kettle Brand Jalapeno. They were the only reason she was here. She peeked around the corner to her right, hoping her eyes had deceived her. Nope. She sighed. An electronic shopping cart beeped its cautionary tune of reverse, interrupting Lauren's thoughts. However, it was the driver who diverted her attention from the situation at hand. "'Lauren!' an elderly, overweight black woman with bright yellow horn-rimmed glasses yelled from her seated position. "'Lauren, is that you?' "'Hey, Miss Bonita.' Lauren skirted further away from her taste buds' stubborn desire and into the next aisle to quickly oblige her guest. "'How are you doing?' she said slowly, to emphasize that she was lowering her voice. She was grateful her former neighbor got the hint. Oops, sorry, Miss Bonita replied and fiddled with her ear. I done lost one of my hearing aids and figured I'd just turn this one up. Guess that was too much, she cackled. But I do all right for a old woman. You lookin' for somebody? She gestured with her head in the direction where Lauren was just hiding. Lauren pressed her lips together before answering unenthusiastically. Not exactly. Oh, I get it. This is about last time, ain't it? Excuse me? Lauren raised an eyebrow. The last time I ran into you here, remember? When I told you about. She tapped the outer part of her basket twice. Lauren's bemused expression remained. Miss Bonita pressed on. The basket, child, about men and grocery shopping. Oh, right, I sure do. Lauren wasn't quite sure, but she knew to cut the conversation short as Miss Bonita had the gift of the gab. Well, it was good to... I'm serious about this now. Always check, Miss Bonita dropped her head and lowered her glasses so they hung to the tip of her nose. Yes, ma'am. All right, then. Ooh, child, you got me thinking about my Henry. I sure do miss my old Cinnabon. Lauren looked down at her watch. She hated being rude to her elders, but the clock was ticking. I should get go. Oh, one more thing. Miss Bonita snapped out of her nostalgic trance. I forgot to tell you about the spices. Spice is nice, child. Remember that. Spice is nice. All right, Lauren smiled. Well, take care, Miss Bonita. She hurried away, hearing a mumbled goodbye and multiple clicks as Miss Bonita fumbled with the cart's steering before it hummed forward. Lauren's back was once again using the end cap as camouflage. She heard a giggle and nodded solemnly to a few customers who shot her strange looks. This is ridiculous, she thought, opting instead for a low-key approach. She grabbed a can of soup, pretending to take great interest in the nutrition label. She peeked around the corner. He was still there. She could just wait for him to leave, but there was no telling how much longer he would stand there. His indecision drove her crazy. He used to stare at restaurant menus for what felt like hours, as if they held a secret message, only to ultimately order the same thing. Every. Single. Time. She checked her watch again. Twelve minutes. This Is Us was coming on in 720 seconds and her DVR was broken. She had used the last of her mother's homemade bread to perfectly craft a cold cut sandwich that waited, lonesome for some feisty, crunchy companions. A sandwich was only as good as the chips paired with it and her taste buds demanded a flavor dance that could only be ignited with this combo. Lauren cursed under her breath. Had she stuck with her initial dinner plan of spaghetti, she wouldn't be in this predicament. She rolled her eyes, exhaled, returned the can of soup she had been blankly staring at, then moved steadily down the aisle, passing the soda selections. She got closer and closer to Keith, or Kevin, or Kyle. She couldn't remember his name. She was certain she had the first letter right. K had moved closer to the shelves. "'his eyes lingering back and forth between the different chip brands. "'With dismay, Lauren realized he wasn't wearing his glasses. "'Not that it mattered, because he often squinted with them on anyway. "'Excuse me,' Lauren said while reaching around him to retrieve her prize. "'Sorry,' Kay replied, stepping aside. "'He glanced back at her, then smiled softly. "'Oh, hey, Lauren.' He gave her a short, side-armed hug. The hug wasn't expected, but its type was. Their hugs were always brief. The handful of kisses they'd shared never sparked. Hey, you. It's James. I remember. Hey, you is just an expression. Oh, sorry. You know I'm not good with expressions among other things. Lauren smiled politely at James and her eyes roamed. She took in his light green eyes, neatly trimmed goatee, the biceps evident in his long sleeved shirt, then back to the dimple in his chin that complimented him so well. She'd forgotten how fine he was. Maybe she should give him her new number. People can change after all. Lauren was grateful she'd slipped out of her sweatpants and into jeans that hugged her slim figure. She crossed one arm over her blue tank top to show James that she, too, had been working out. His eyes left hers, moving downward before quickly looking back up. But not before she had noticed. Lauren grabbed one of her locks, twisting it around her finger. "'So, how are you?' she asked. "'Great, actually.' I'm getting married in six months. Lauren's jaw dropped for a hot second. Then she quickly pressed her lips together long enough for the irritation to pass. Everyone but her was getting married, it seemed. At this rate, she'd be the only single woman at her 10-year high school reunion. Congratulations, she croaked, then cleared her throat. That's awesome. How did you two meet? Funny story? James began, then hesitated. He crossed his arms and looked down at his shoes. After a few seconds, he exhaled and looked back up at Lauren. Remember how you stood me up at the Cheesecake Factory? His newly found directness both surprised and embarrassed her. She tried to redeem herself with a familiar lie. I, uh... I remember my phone was acting weird after I updated it, so I couldn't tell you that. that I would never see you again, or that you would change your number later that same day? Her cheeks flushed. At least I texted you to let. James's frown firmed, so Lauren retreated and took a deep breath. I should have handled that better. Sorry. The last word came out as a whisper. She meant it, though. James stared at her for a moment, then dropped his arm and waved a hand dismissively. It's water under the river, he said with a content smile. Anyways, I waited three hours for you. The manager, Kayla, felt sorry for me and gave me a slice of cheesecake on the house. We got to talking, and the next thing I know, we're exchanging numbers. Lauren gave him a tight smile. She was mad at herself. James was never spontaneous, but he was responsible and caring. He had covered the tab every time they went out. No door went unheld, and he never pressured her for anything. Although their conversations had been humdrum, he called every day, twice a day, without fail during the three months they had dated. Once again, she had used minor imperfections to build a wall and push away a good man because he didn't meet her fairy tale expectations, which were formed out of her fear that love could only be discovered in the uncontrolled and unexpected. At least, that's the way her therapist would have put it. But when your therapist is also your mother, you're a lot slower at heeding such conclusions. Well, I should really get going. Lauren began, while backpedaling slowly. Me too. Chips are the last thing on my list. Right. Well, congratulations again. Thanks. Good seeing you, he called out as he turned and walked away. Lauren stopped less than midway up the aisle as Miss Bonita's words of wisdom suddenly hit her. She paused to take one last look at what could have been. A loaf of bread, two bags of chicken breasts... A gallon of chocolate milk and a carton of egg whites were in James's basket, along with two cans of French onion soup. Lauren admired him for taking advantage of the soup sale, but the egg whites and the chocolate milk were a cause for alarm. She couldn't recall him liking to bake or having any food allergies, so buying the egg whites was a sign that he liked to cut corners. If a man cut corners in one room of the house, he'd likely cut corners in another. Also, buying chocolate milk in such a large quantity was a proceed with caution sign of immaturity. No grown man needs that much chocolate milk. She gave him the benefit of the doubt as far as lack of seasoning purchase was concerned, hoping he simply had what he needed at home. However, what happened next told Lauren all she needed to know. James finally made a selection He reached up, his hand wandering slowly from left to right before grabbing a bag of Lay's Classic, the lightly salted kind, and carefully adding it to his basket. Lauren turned, nearly jogging to the cash registers, laughing. She would have no regrets. James was still just as boring as the potato chips he was buying. You've just listened
0: to Sense of Taste by April Bailey. I'm Jim McAteer, along with co host Kevin McMahon, and we have April with us here to talk about the piece and writing in general. Welcome, April.
2: Hello, thanks for having me.
0: We're happy to have you on the show. Well, I wanted to kick off with our first question, which usually relates to the story. And in this particular story, I felt like a lot of the readers most people had a sim would have a similar experience maybe not in a grocery store but some event where they run into somebody that maybe they didn't want to run into and so my question was you know this story kind of feels true to life are you drawing (laughs) on personal experiences here
2: (laughs) um yes and no so i think a lot of my fictional stories tend to draw on personal experience in some type of way This story, actually, I wrote in 2019, I think, is when I wrote the first draft, and it actually just started from a conversation I had with my sister. We were talking about Mm -hmm. someone from high school that she had run into. I was like, wow, I hadn't seen that person in years. I would hate to run into them. And then I sat down to write, and I said, I want to write something new. And I said, what if I write a story about running into someone you don't want to run into? And then it just began as, okay, my character's in a grocery store, and I had no idea where the story would go. And that's where it went. <laughs> so.
0: That's great. It's a fun story. Well, that that kind of leads into another question I had, which is in terms of your writing style. So it sounds like you don't map it out. You basically just get an idea and then roll with it?
2: Yeah, pretty much. Most of my ideas come to me either as a character or I have like a one line of dialogue that appear in my head and I just kind of go from that or I have a certain theme that I want to write about and then I just whatever comes to mind. So 98% of the time when I'm writing it's just free write is the first draft. I just write whatever comes out of my head and then go from there.
0: That's great. I enjoy I love writing that way. That's the way I write pretty much also. Are you ever surprised by things that your characters do?
2: <laughs> um, yes, believe it or not. Um, makes me sound a little bit crazy that I'm surprised by what comes out of my head. But um, actually, yes, because it'll start one way sometimes, depending on, like I said, what came to me first, whether the character came to me first or the theme, and then it'll just turn into something different. Um, and I'm seeing here too with doing the Wednesday night meetups that sometimes people give me ideas I didn't even think about. And it's like, Ooh, I like that so much better. And then I completely revamp what I thought the story would be.
0: Right. So you're talking about a writer's group where you submit something and then you get feedback and, and those ideas germinate into something else.
2: Yeah. So, um, just getting feedback from other writers. Um, it's more like a critique, so to speak. Um, but getting feedback from other writers on, the initial draft, which is usually a rough draft and seeing what ideas they had. Um, And most of the time when I share it, it's incomplete. And so, because i want to see, okay, how did they perceive this? Because that's why you write, right? You're writing for the readers. I want to see how they're perceiving it. And then okay, they get where I'm going with this and if they don't get it, I'm like, okay, well, I need to change some things up.
3: Okay. So here's my question. Um, You've done... You're a great fiction writer. You've also written some really good screenplays that I've read, and you are a really good nonfiction memoir writer too. Um, So you can kind of do it all. And so I want to (laughs) know when you're writing a story, do some stories end up being short stories and some stories end up being screenplays? Uh, And how do you know? Do you, like, start off wanting to write a screenplay and then does that ever turn into a short story or vice versa?
2: That's a good question. I think it, it all depends on how the idea came to me. I think when I'm more able or when it's clear to me visually how the characters are acting out what is going on, then I know, okay, this is gonna be a screenplay. When I'm just thinking about the story in itself, just kind of generalizing it, because I'm seeing it on paper, then I'm just thinking of it as a short story. So I'm just thinking of it as, okay, this is gonna be something that's gonna be read, and I'm relying on the reader's imagination, as opposed to screenplay, I'm more so relying on my imagination and how I think it's gonna play out based on whatever actor or actress would play that role. So, so far, um, I haven't had it where it starts out as a screenplay and I say, no, I'm just going to make it a short story or vice versa so far, but that could change of course.
0: (laughs) So do you find when you've written the longer works versus the shorter works, which do you find more challenging?
2: I find the longer pieces more challenging. I think for me, when I think about the shorter pieces, I'm just thinking about it in terms of moments. And so I can focus on one particular moment and what I want the reader to take away and I want what I want the character to do and even like what I want the theme to be. But with a longer piece, it's like I have to balance saying just enough and not too much. And then with the longer pieces, it becomes more of a challenge for me in terms of setting. Cause I think setting is one of my weaknesses as a writer it's one of the last things i think about i don't think you know if i want you to if there are two characters arguing over i don't know child custody or something and they're standing in the living room i just want you to know that they're arguing i don't care that they're standing in front of the green lamp and there's ketchup bottle on the table like i just don't think about any of that stuff Um, but i'm starting to see where it becomes relevant Uh, which is interesting because with sense of taste putting it in a grocery store like that just helped me so much so I kind of cheated a little bit but normally setting is a challenge for me I don't know why but it just is
3: yeah now that I think of the other things you've written that I've read a lot of it is focused on the character and uh, weirdly now that I think of it a lot of characters (laughs) are
2: there's a compliment in there somewhere Kevin I'll take it um they remember yeah. It's interesting. You described it. You said great fiction. I don't know if I would say my fiction was great. I think it's good. I don't think I'm great just yet. But I'm trying to get there. Okay.
0: Well, humble, being humble is good, too. So, yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I agree that um, one of the things I liked about, well, one of my favorite lines of your piece um, that was so relatable to me was when you know she 's heading over there and she's remembering his trying to remember his name and she like recites these three names that start with the letter K and whatever and she calls him K at some point and then his name is not that and it's James <laughs> or, or yeah, anyway, whatever It was so funny um, and that 's so relatable, but the the grocery store was a fun place to write, and you say that 's challenging. Um, what other aspects do you do you find challenging? you know, in terms of the dialogue or other parts of a story?
2: That's a good question. Um, For me, so I'll talk about the memoir a little bit in terms of nonfiction. The challenge was transitions because with nonfiction, you can't just make something up. You can't just put in what you wanted to put in going from one scene to the next. And so Mm. for me, transitions were a challenge because Um, I want to hold the reader's attention, and I want the story to flow. But like I said, I can't just make something up. I can't just throw something in there. Um, So I actually ended up relying on a lot of just reflection, um, and that helped. And actually, that was probably the first time in my writing where I actually used reflection as a transition. So so that was a a new discovery for me. I'll probably use that going forward. Oh, so when you
0: say (laughs) reflection... Mm-hmm. You're talking about the you're talking about the character, you know, you're you're getting inside the thoughts of the character.
2: Right, exactly. Hmm. And then taking a um if you think about it in terms of um the different types of shots with the camera like medium long, this is more of like a wide shot. And so when I'm doing the thus writing the scenes is more of like a close-up okay like this is what's happening and then I think of like the wide shot is okay like this is how the characters are feeling this is how they're processing what's going on
0: yeah I makes hope sense. That... that's great cool okay
2: cool I hope it made sense
3: <laughs> yeah that makes sense to me I wanted to ask you about literary agents um if you've ever tried to have one do you have one do you want one do you feel like you need one
2: That's four questions.
3: I'm
0: sorry. (laughs) Good. So. Semantics.
2: (laughs) Yes, no, no, and not anymore. Um, So I have tried to get a literary agent. I started querying in 2018 and then I stopped in 2020. Um, I've queried close to 30 agents and all of them were a rejection. So that was fun. Um, <laughs> but also too, it was <laughs>
0: it's part of the process, right? <laughs> it's,
2: yeah. It's all part of the process. And it was the process that I appreciated. And I think I really grew as a writer because having to write, um, learn how to write a book proposal and different ways that you think about your book in terms of marketing, like really thinking about your book outside of the story um, was an interesting challenge for me, but also too, it really made me constantly, I'm constantly reminding myself, like, why did you write this? Why are you doing this? Why are you trying to get it published? And so after all those rejections and just thinking about that, at the end of the day, it was like, it it doesn't matter. I don't need an agent, right? What I need is a book. What I want is a book. And that's to help to get the story out there. And so I did the querying thing simply because I wanted to try traditional writing, writing, excuse me, traditional publishing. Um, And I thought that would be easier with an agent, but yeah, it didn't work out. And my patience has just thinned out as far as that process is concerned. So um, I'm doing a couple direct submissions where the publishers will take unsolicited submissions from writers, but those are smaller publishers. And I have a handful of those that I will submit to. And if they don't work out, then self-publishing it is.
0: (laughs) Sounds good. It's definitely an option.
2: Yeah, it is an option, and it's cool. a lot more respected now than it used to be. About probably seven or eight years ago.
0: Oh, definitely, it's 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 crazy booming. It's um, and people are successful, so there's like a whole new market out there.
2: Right, definitely, and like I said, it all goes back to purpose about why you wrote the thing that you wrote and why you want it published. So with the memoir, I'm, I didn't write it to become a millionaire. Um, actually, I don't think any writers become millionaires anymore. But
1: <laughs> right. Stephen King, maybe.
2: But um, I didn't write it for that purpose. You know, it's not to make money. It's just to have have the final product, have a story to present to share with other people. So,
0: well, I think that's great. And and um, you know, it it is tough getting beat up with rejections. But <clears throat> the reality is, you finished it. You know, that's Absolutely. not something that a lot of people can. I mean, plenty of people start a book and not everybody gets to finish one. And I'm one of those people who hasn't yet finished mine. You know, it's been four years <laughs> and um, I'm closing in. I really am near near the end of it. But, uh, you know, you finished. That's huge. Mm-hmm. You got to pat yourself on the back for that.
2: Thank you. I need to remind myself of that, too, because it's funny because at one point that's the goal, right? You just want to be able to write it and have it done. And then you have to tackle this whole other beast of trying to get it published and then you forget about the joy of writing it and then the joy of accomplishing that goal of actually getting it completed,
0: so. Mm-hmm, definitely. Well, I mean, I do think that's something that writers don't probably think about very much, um, which is the business of selling books, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have, I think, writers in general where we focus on the idea and like you were saying earlier, you know, what are you trying to say? What emotions are you trying to get out of people? You know, what's mm-hmm. your message? And then you're like, you just, you know, the actual, production of it and making it profitable or, you know, getting into the hands of people, that's not usually on people's radar.
2: Absolutely. And publishing, I mean, it it is still a business. So they want something that they can actually sell. So if they feel like they can't sell my story, then that's totally fine.
0: Right, right. It is totally fine. And you've still written it and you can still make it available and people can find it. And there are readers for everything as one of our Um, interviewees said you know I mean there's just everyone likes to read stories and so there's Mm -hmm. some readers for you for that
2: absolutely
0: what draws you to writing then what you know you've written a memoir you've done some screenplays and short stories you've been working on what's the driving force for you
2: good question writing is essentially my therapy I'm a word (laughs) therapy kind of person Um, So for me, it's just a matter of getting thoughts and feelings down on paper that really motivates me to write. And then I guess the driving force past that is being able to share that with other people. Right. Because the point of I think one of the main points of sharing stories is that our stories connect us. And so Mm -hmm. it's about um, sharing what I'm sharing in order to connect with someone else. There's someone else out there that feels this way as well. There's someone else out there that needs to know that they can overcome this or whatever it is that I'm writing about at the same time or like with sense of taste there's someone out there who could use a laugh
0: yeah no sense of taste is a it's a fun story and it's just enjoyable and relatable so you know you did a great job on that
2: thank you
0: is there a genre that you prefer to write and second question is there a genre you prefer to read
2: I wouldn't say prefer I think I have more Fiction ideas than nonfiction, but nonfiction comes more naturally to me, especially having studied journalism in college. Um, preference to read, I do prefer to read fiction. And I don't know if this is the correct name, but I guess just like general fiction. Like I just enjoy a good story, but mm. I want it to be relatable. So that's why I don't really, relatable in the sense that it like this could actually happen to me or someone I know. Um, I can enjoy a good fantasy story, but I don't regularly read fantasy simply because well, partly because I'm jealous of the world building, which I can't do. And then also, um, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I just can't relate to it. I want something a little bit more realistic.
0: Right, right. Well, the challenge with fantasy is you, I mean, you're still trying to tell tell a story about people and relationships and you know, what happens to them. And then you've got to build this whole world around it, which you don't have to do if you're just, people understand the world that you're living in already and you write a story about that. So uh, it definitely yeah, adds so an extra layer.
2: Absolutely. that's I tip my hat to those fantasy writers because I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot.
3: <laughs> uh, good stuff. I want to know um, if you think there's a connection between like, the tools you got studying journalism and the way you write fiction.
2: That's a good question. I would have to give that some serious thought. It's hard to say because I wrote fiction before. I studied journalism, and before I even knew that I would study journalism, I do believe it's played a role some kind of way. I can't specifically say off the top of my head. And I think mainly probably just looking at it from the viewpoint of journalism being like fact-based, so you're constantly thinking who, what, when, where, and how. And so when I'm writing something fictional i'm processing those questions but it's not always a, a process that i'm conscious of i'm just kind of doing it as i go if that makes sense so i know mentally totally i'm checking better. off that list in my head but i'm not it's like so ingrained in me that i'm not even aware that that's what i'm doing
3: cool i think that makes sense i think that's an awesome okay. answer <laughs> yeah that <it> sounds great
2: <laughs> ah, it's interesting i'm usually on the other side of the interviewing process. So,
3: How are we doing?
2: <laughs> Y'all are doing good. Okay. <laughs> You're doing really good.
0: Well, um, so what about reading? What are you reading right now?
2: Um, funny enough, I'm reading a fantasy novel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious.
2: <laughs> um, so um, there was this woman I connected with on Twitter, and she self-published a book, and I wanted to support her. So I bought the book over the summer last year, summer of 2020 and just never got around to reading it. My to read list is really long, but um, I told her I would give it priority towards the end of the year. And so I'm trying to finish it. I'm probably maybe two thirds of the way through it. Um, and then I'll move on to the next thing on my list, which is an anthology. I believe is the next thing I'm supposed to read.
0: Well, you have a supposed to read list. That's great. <laughs> Not a one to read, but it's supposed to read. <laughs>
2: Right. And then in a few weeks, we'll be starting long form back. So then I'll have something else to read. So it's a good problem to have. You can never have too much to read.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. Well, I'm reading Oh, um, uh, Everything That Rises Must Converge. It's basically a collection of short stories by Flannery O'Connor. And okay. she's one of my all time favorite writers because she can make like walking down the street a stressful experience. I don't know how she does it, but she just builds tension <laughs> Um, in the mind of the character and you're just right along with them. But all they're doing is like literally like walking down the street. So I don't read a lot of short stories um, except through, you know, writer groups and things, but I do enjoy them.
2: Absolutely. And I think part of the reason I have this anthology is because I'm thinking about putting a collection together. And so reading more of those, it's kind of seeing just how they did it and debating why they chose the things that they chose
0: yeah we I think we talked about the anthology a little bit while we were off air. What um, tell us what you're working on?
2: So I say <laughs> I won't say theoretically. I'll say unofficially. I'm working on a short story collection, but my initial challenge before I even officially start is debating whether I just want to start with an outline or a theme and then just write a certain amount of stories to follow that. Or if I just want to free write and then somehow put something together at the end.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's why I'm at. I feel like I have enough ideas. I could go either way. But I feel like if I start with a the theme in mind, that might limit me creatively.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: so we'll see. And then I'm debating because, again, longer works are more challenging for me. So. If it's a 60,000 word collection, do I do five, 12,000 word stories? Do I do 12, 5,000 word stories? Do I do 23,000 word stories? Like, <laughs> that's, where, that's where I'm at right now.
3: Do you usually um, try to scope out the length of something before you start?
2: Not usually. No. I, like, I'll have it in my head whether I want it to be short. Like, this mm-hmm. is the only moment I want to focus on. Kind of like with sense of taste. I knew all along that it would be a short story simply because I just want to focus on the interaction and the purpose of her being at the grocery store. Um and then also losing my train of thought again. Sorry. So yes, so sometimes I know going into it that I want it to be short. Um and then other times I just like I said, I just free write and then how it comes is how it comes.
0: That's interesting. Well, I was making some notes because um, when you were talking about the theme sort of limiting your creativity a little bit, I felt like when working on my novel, uh, it's a fantasy novel, that I had, you know, I sort of have a broad outline when I do it, you know, then I just basically, I'm a pantser, it just kind of happens. And, but I, I had some things that I needed to happen, like in my arc of the story, and they weren't happening fast enough. You know what I mean? It's like, I couldn't, quite get there so I totally relate to that whole theme being limiting but it's also an opportunity to kind of push yourself a little you know and see what happens
2: I think that's a good point I think so when I say limiting I don't know maybe that wasn't the correct word to use Um, but I think knowing me my best ideas come to me when my attention is supposed to be on something else and so if I'm writing hmm. a collection specifically about one theme, then absolutely something else is going to come to me that has a completely different theme. And so if I begin, <laughs> I can't veer off and begin working on that because I'm supposed to be focused on the collection. So that's more about, well, more about what I'm at in terms of limiting. That's so.
0: very interesting, though. Maybe you need to start two short story collections with different <laughs> themes. So while you're working on one, you'll get ideas for the other, and then you can switch for a little while, and you'll get like two done.
2: I mean, it's a good idea, but you're assuming that it would only be two. It'd probably be three or four. <laughs> right, I don't
0: know if I can handle yeah, all true. of that right now. <laughs> oh, that's fair enough. All right, cool. Well, is there anything um, in particular, you know, if so for readers or writers out there, is there anything that you would want to um, tell them if they're looking at getting into the business or the process as to say writing not not the publishing end of it but just you know creating a story
2: yeah i think for writers in general um hoping this doesn't sound too cliche because i feel like every industry says this right now but really just like knowing your why why you're doing <laughs> something um why you're writing a particular story so that you don't lose that sense of joy you get in actually doing the thing that you love as opposed mm-hmm. to trying to get to that end goal of it being published. Um so just focusing on your why. And um yeah, focusing on your why. <laughs> I think that's that's, that's a really that's, good that's yeah. a
0: deep answer. That's good. Well, <laughs> I don't think most people, like you said, I don't think most people get into writing to, um, you know, make it rich. Or if they do, they're probably jumping into the wrong field.
2: (laughs) Right. Absolutely. And I will let them know. (laughs) You should probably choose a different career if you're trying to get rich.
0: Right. Right. That's funny. Okay. Well, April, thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate having you on and also appreciated you submitting your work for our inaugural edition. And, um, just it was a great fun story and thank you for that thank you for being on the show
2: no thank you for having me on the show and it's such an honor to be in the inaugural edition I hope I we didn't set the bar too high <laughs> I'm just kidding <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah thank you no this was fun really and truly
0: great thank you very much for listening we hope you enjoyed the show if so please help us spread the word by telling your friends giving us a rating on your favorite podcast app or better yet Shout it from the rooftops through your social media outlet of choice. The Story Discovery Podcast is a free, narrated podcast of the works that appear in Etched Onyx magazine, edited by J.W. McAteer and Kevin McMahon. All stories are available for free at onyxpublications.com. That's O-N-Y-X publications.com. If you'd like to support the continuation of this podcast and or the magazine, please consider a small donation through Patreon at patreon.com slash onyxpublications. As a nano-publishing house, we are always looking for new stories to showcase. If you'd like to submit a story for consideration, visit the submissions page on our website. Until next time, keep reading and writing.